Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Uh, we do love being uh, with friends. It just feels like being at home, and so thank you. I was thinking, would I want to listen to me on a Saturday morning? Possibly not. So thank you so much for uh, giving the time to be together today. I want to pick up on where I uh, finished yesterday. Talked about mountains, challenges, things that we have to face in life. And I do believe that because uh, God made us and we were intricately, the Bible says, and wonderfully made, then physically, spiritually, and emotionally, God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be developed. But also in those areas, physical things, emotional things, spiritual things can become challenges. And um, this... uh, Conference really is about going higher, experiencing more of God's goodness, getting some breakthroughs. I always feel that conferences and big events sometimes, you know, you need the regular ongoing church life. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. But sometimes you just need a little boost. You need a little challenge. You need to have a, a season where you're just soaking in God's presence, give a little bit more time. And often there are those mountaintop experiences where we just give some space and time for God to move. And so our prayers are that over this uh, 24-hour period, 48 hours, you will be just blessed and renewed in your walk with God. Now, I want to talk about how the local church helps us over the top. How the local church helps us over the top. You know, in the years that I've been involved, sometimes people put the mountaintop experiences over here somewhere. That's where we go and want the mountaintop experiences. And they think of regular church is a little bit further down in terms of priority. They tend to think, well, church every week, you know, it can become mundane. We get used to it. We sing the same songs. We do the same things. And therefore, we often undervalue what local church really is. But I really sense, and and that's why I think through the years, local churches, they do take a fair bit of a battering or opposition. And I, for uh, my part, have often had to stand against certain things that suggest that really we don't need local church. We don't really need gatherings There was a little era, thank the Lord, it's on the way out now, where people would say, well, we don't need to gather. Just two or three friends in McDonald's talking about Jesus is as much church as the gathered people. I would contest that because I believe the value of the local church is far more than having a natter with God. It's far more than three or four people debating scripture. In fact, if you look through church history, you'll find that there are things known as sacraments, things that are holy. There are holy moments that only the local church can have. That's to do with things like baptisms. It's to do with, I believe, even marriage and, and um, the importance of relationships and breaking of bread and prayer, communion, Eucharist, holy communion. These are things that... A local church in the pattern of their life, these are spiritual disciplines that I feel are very important. And therefore, anything that gives the church a bad press, 
I want to reverse that. And um, a bit of travel helps with this. Because in various parts of the world, the church, you do know this, of course, the church is exploding. You can go to certain parts of the world and, and find many, many congregations that are thriving and living. And I often, when I uh, visit places like in Africa or in Asia, and I've had the joy of seeing some fantastic churches, my prayer is, Lord, do it again in the UK. And let Europe, that dark continent, know what it is to have thriving churches that are full of life and full of power. Because sometimes when we use the word church, we, we get it down to some kind of low level. And often, because we're all human and it's just us as a bunch of friends, we see the flaws, we see the imperfections. You know, if you're listening to the same pastor week in and week out, you do begin to notice little idiosyncrasies, things that he does. People watch and observe you. I try not these days to touch my nose because people say, you're always touching your nose. And I, I try not to do that. There, there are people that have little little words that they use. And, and sometimes, and I do assess uh, 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 young preachers and stuff and give feedback when appropriate, but sometimes within one sentence, you know, uh, passionate, exuberant people can use the word excited or awesome over and over again. And, and sometimes I'll stand against the word awesome because I was thinking you were in a different meeting than I was because describe it as good, but it certainly wasn't awesome. So we've got to live in a, a real world with, with, with the ongoing relational mechanisms of church, because we all know churches and buildings, it's, it's not to do with systems and structures. It's to do really fundamentally with two things. It's about loving God, worshipping him, and loving people, being in community together. And I, I want to big up the church and say the church is wonderful. And, the, the, and I'm going to touch on why I believe that to be true. I think, I think the enemy tactic is always to kill, steal, and destroy. I believe the enemy is always out to divide stuff. He is a party pooper. He's the one that wants to divide us. And he wants us to see the worst in one another. And UK Christianity does tend to see things as half empty. Does tend to have a critical side. Cynicism is one of the things that I really want to attack in my own life. And I don't want to be cynical about the church. I want to be real about the church. The church has many problems because people have many problems. But I want to big up the church and say the church really is. And it'll be my last point when I get to it. really is the hope of the world, which Bill Hybels has made that little statement really famous. It, it is so important. It is the, the church is the hope for our world. I passionately believe it. So when we're talking about mountaintop experiences, you know, see the mountains come down. I don't want to see that in some side order revival gathering. I want to see it in local church on a regular basis. And in our church now, we're saying every time we meet, every service we have, there must be an opportunity for someone to find Jesus Christ. And I'm really disappointed now if a service passes when somebody doesn't become a Christian. And the more you talk about it, the more you give space for it, the more you find that God does it. The gospel still has its ancient power. People can come out of darkness into light. 
in a moment of truth. We actually, across all our locations, have this simple childlike prayer that we all pray and then we invite someone to respond to Christ. A child can pray it. It's, it's a simple prayer. But what I think is it's a gateway into heaven. It's something very, very special. So I passionately believe in the church. Before I get on to my points, which are various, I want to take us to 1 Thessalonians and chapter 1. Which for me, this is what I'm talking about when I say the word church. There are dimensions of church that are very, very important. And when Paul writes his letter to the church at Thessalonica, in, in verse uh, 2 of chapter 1, he said, We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. In that one verse, I think this is crucial about my expectation of church. The first thing you'll find in this church, it was a mature church. It was a mature church. It was a growing church. It wasn't a perfect church, but it was a mature church. And you would see these three things evident, faith, hope, love. Those three things Paul often talks about. But in every local church, those are the things we want to see. Faith in action, people believing God, hope for the future, and love, of course, that pulls it all together. This was a very mature church, and in fact, if you read through, it, it talks in verse 6, for instance, it says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, in spite of severe suffering, you welcome the message with joy. The reason this church was mature, it was, it was, it was broad-based, it was, it was fundamentally moving with a real faith in God, but in spite of severe sufferings. And that's why perhaps yesterday I tried to emphasize the fact that if we ask God to help us through those difficult things and we begin to face those challenges, when you actually get to the top of that thing or over that thing, you find that there's a greater strength in your life than you had before. I believe that we are the better because of the battles in our lives. We don't pray, Lord, more problems, please. That would be ridiculous. But what we do say is that which the enemy intended to harm us with, God turns around for our good. So as we get up in the morning today, we are better because we face some of those things that we shared with you. And it's the same for you. But this was a mature church. And I just prelude what I'm saying tonight by saying, and I, I appreciate that not everybody necessarily is part of this church. There may be visitors and so on. But I want to say over Freedom Church that God is calling you to be a mature church, really strong in every level, and, and that you're going to be marked out increasingly by these three things. Faith, faith. You know, trust God for some big things. I think you're going to have some big calls just around the corner with faith issues. Faith, finances, buildings, stuff that you've got to move into. It's never an easy thing in local church, but certainly it doesn't want you to remain static. And there are faith challenges. But also, I believe he wants you to be people of hope. Going into the community as you do, bringing hope to the lonely, hope to the hurting, where you are genuinely good news people. But I think there's going to be a hallmark of love. 
I've seen enough just at this conference, stayed with some wonderful people, met some wonderful people already. There is no place on planet Earth like the church with regard to love. God's love in people, through people, the love of God transforming us and changing us. This was a mature church. But also, and I link this with Freedom Church here, it was also a model church. It wasn't just a mature church, it was a model church. The Bible says here that in spite of your severe sufferings, uh, in spite of severe sufferings, you welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Model church. What does that mean? Well, it became a church that, that was a kind of prototype where people would come and learn and see. And I just want to go on record to say that I believe the call of God upon this church is to be a model church. You might call yourself a local church. I don't know what you call yourself. But my belief is that it's going to be a church that actually is mature and growing and it's strengthened by God. But it also becomes a model where people are going to actually come and see what God is doing. And then thirdly, it was a missional church. The Bible says that it had influence beyond itself. It talks about there the good news ringing out from Thessalonica to the region around. And I hope this is in your vision. And I hope I'm not saying stuff that's outside of my remit to say. But I believe the call on this fellowship is not just for Romsey, but it's going to spill out. It's going to be like a gospel bell that will ring out into the territories around. What is your archaea? What is your next region? I really sense that the hand of God is upon this church in order that it becomes a, a model church, but a missional flow, carrying the good news of Jesus. And so if, um, if Dwayne was, was here, Dwayne White, he would say it a lot more effectively than me. But I'd say, get ready, get ready, get ready, because I believe that God wants you to spill out. And I'm not, I'm not prophesying you've got to plant this, plant that. God will show you and your local leadership what that means. But I believe that the church that you are in is to be an exciting adventure. It's to be a model church. It's to be growing numerically. It's to be taking new territory. It's filled with faith and hope and love, bringing hope, not just to Romsey. I feel that really strongly, not just localized, but something I could put terms in it. I would call it an apostolic hub or an apostolic center where you're going to be sending out. And I just want to say that God is going to bring all kinds of creative people among you. I guess you've already got it, but I see a house of musicians. I thought that, I said to Irene, that was a fantastic song. I'd love uh, that you sang last. I'd love you to send us that song. Yeah, I love that we serve a, um, a sea splitter. I, I think that's a great line. But uh, again, for what it's worth, I think that um, I love you like to be under the radar. But God, very often when you say, I want to be under the radar, hang on a minute, you begin to find that God just elevates, not in order that you're glorified, but the name of Jesus is glorified. So I want to encourage you, right, right, right. Songs. Songs are in you. Songs of deliverance. Songs of freedom. Good things. Great band. Great musicians. Wonderful. 
And I think in this house, God, God's going to take a lot of creative people. Now, creative people can be a little bit, you know, interesting. <laughs> but this is to be a church of initiative and color and joy and growth and, you know, a little bit, little bit on the edge at times. You know, not doing everything according to the book. Uh, well, you've got to do it according to the book. But God uh, bless you in that. The, those three simple things. That you are a mature church. You're to be maturing in every way. Faith, hope, love. A, a, a model church. Do it well. Set your, set your ceilings high. Glass ceilings. And a missional Advan uh, adventure out into the, uh, the areas beyond. So that's the prelude to what I want to share today. But the local church is more important than we think. It's a place really where the two commandments I've just mentioned uh, come together. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. In fact, I think those two things, Jesus says, on these two things, all the law and the prophets hang. I love that thought that were you to uh, look at all the providential work of God, a kind of a canvas uh, of his dealings with humanity, church history and so on, it's like a big painting and it hangs on these two pegs, if you like. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Everything uh, with regard to God's revelation to us, those two things become essential. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. So I'm going to try and answer, and this will be very simple, but I want to try and answer the question, why is church so important? Is it true that local church helps us over the top? You see, I believe that the local church's mandate in teaching and preaching and discipling and bringing some measure of order and the sacraments, all of these things, I believe, are designed by God. The church is God's idea. Ephesians tells us all those wonderful pictures of the church in all its splendor. The church is the body of Christ. What a phenomenal thing. Come back to that in a minute or two. We are parts of the body of Christ. Jesus walking on earth walks through his people. But also that picture of the temple. We are living stones that are placed together in the temple. So that when we assemble. I like the word assembly. I wouldn't use it today because people don't understand it. But the word assembly. So you know, like the assemblies of God. Is a bit different from having a meeting. People talk about I'm going to church. When actually... Church, when it works well, is an assembling of all the parts, fitting together. That's why if somebody is missing, there's lack. This is a big thing at the moment. All the statistics are showing church commitment is going down and down. We live in a busy world. Commitment, when I was a lad, was three times on a Sunday. And uh, that was overkill. It was death by meetings, that's for certain. But now, commitment is measured perhaps a couple of times a month. And people say, well, family first, and I understand all of those things. But somewhere along the line, there needs to be a passion about local church, a commitment to the church of Jesus Christ. And, and so you find the, the picture of the temple of God, a holy place where God dwells with his people. And what about in Ephesians, the picture of the bride? 
You know, and you're thinking of this intimacy between God and his people, the bride of Christ. This is who we are. Anybody that downs the church, I, I think, get a life. Because if we're the bride of Christ, if we're the body of Christ, if we are part of the temple of the Holy Spirit, and then Ephesians 6 talks, doesn't it, about soldiers we're in the army of God, which again is battle language. Put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand together, stand our ground, take some territory. This is what we're called to. This is the church of Jesus. It's great, isn't it? A fighting bride. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful picture of, of joy and life and difference. You can't put the church in a box. The church is a holy thing. Church is God's idea for the earth. And I'm so passionate about this, and I hope in my five points I'm going to get this across. Simple points, but here we go. Why is the church so important? Firstly, and I alluded to this last night, it is a gateway to heaven. It's a gateway to heaven. I kind of... I've picked up a cold. Uh, I've... Um, I've been fascinated for, for years by the story of Jacob. Jacob uh, reminds me of the generations coming through now. There's a sort of a, can't always get hold of them, but there's a sort of a passion for God in there. There's a, a fighting for the blessing somehow. And don't always fit the pattern. Jacob was a bit like that. And Jacob one day finds himself in the middle of nowhere, in the wilderness, and he lays down in this remote place, and he has a stone for a pillar. And as he goes to sleep, you know the story of how he has this dream. And in the dream, he sees interaction between earth and heaven. He sees angels ascending and descending, which tells me there was something in Jacob that was looking for connectedness with God. He wanted to know the blessing of God. And in that uh, dream, he sees that there's an open heaven. There's there's interaction between heaven and earth. And he's so surprised when he wakes up. He said, and you can use this word in this context, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is a gateway to heaven. But this is the sentence, and I never knew it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to suggest there are people sat in our churches on a daily basis, and they don't know what a privilege and honor it is to be sat among God's people. It's, you know, revelation is when the penny drops. Revelation is when the curtain opens and you suddenly realize this is more wonderful than I ever imagined. How awesome is this place? And I try now to educate myself. I have a little conversation with myself uh, before going to church where I will say this this is the only, this is a Sunday today that will never be repeated. I want to live this day to the honor and glory of God. And I want to go into his presence with my brothers and sisters with such a sense of anything could happen today. Where you just know this is the place to be. Now, I know we could all theologically argue that God is as much over there as he is over here. And we know that the revelation that was brought, they worship God in spirit and in truth, and it's not location and so on. But I'll tell you what, there is something very special. When the church gathers, it becomes like a portal to heaven. It attracts holiness. It attracts the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
And that's why I believe it gets attacked. And that's why I believe there's always tension before gathering. People uh, for the last decade have loved the thought of scattering. You know, let's go do some good work and thank God for it. The revelation that we're meant to make a difference in communities is a powerful revelation that we, we should keep hold of. But there's a lot against the gathered church. Do we really need this? Do we really need to go through this? I want to say, my prayer really is, Lord, just give us a little open curtain about what we do and why we do it with a sense that when somebody's leading, playing a guitar, and they start to sing, and I've noticed this, heaven comes. Uh, I even believe chord choices by keyboard players that are anointed open up. You've perhaps been in meetings where it was a little bit heavy, a little bit dry, and a word comes. And you suddenly think, well, this felt a little bit mundane, but this is none other than the house of God. It becomes a house of prayer, a gathering place for all nations. There's something wonderful when the church gathers. But the problem is we don't get heaven's perspective and we, we, we're so earthly minded that we're a bit like Jacob where we, we never knew how important this was. So I want to suggest that Local church and helping us in our life's journey is so important because it is a gateway to heaven. Secondly, it is a place where God is honoured and his name is praised. The reason I mention this and worship has to be at the heart of this is because our mountains are smaller when we encounter God. Whenever we're in the presence of God, we come with a mountain that's so big. But then when we're in the presence of God, we suddenly get a perspective. Church services for me are about getting perspectives on life. There are people that, that come who are carrying great burdens. We've got families that have been going through it over and over and over again. And I know how hard it is sometimes for them to get into the gathered church. But some of them are so passionate about this is the place I need to be. And uh, when you start to praise God, when you lift your head... When you lift your hands, we begin to discover that actually our help comes from beyond the mountains. You know, that we look to him and we recognize that we look beyond the mountains because God is higher than those things. And it's a remarkable perspective because when you are in the presence of God, mountains begin to diminish. The big challenges begin to get a perspective and you begin to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he has overcome the stuff that we are grappling with by his blood, by his death and by his resurrection. And when we get that identity thing settled and we say, today I'm in Christ, I'm secure, What's, whatever's happening, rocking my boat at the moment, God is with me, he's for me, he will never let me go. His love never fails, he's always with us. And uh, I believe that when we put God first, that's why I always, I always feel in worship, start Godward. A lot of songs about needs, aren't there? A lot of songs, and I love some of them that express how we feel, very feely songs. I love it on occasions to, you know, have the feely songs. But we've made very simple rules in our church. We always say... Sunday morning, and not everybody agrees with this, Sunday morning, it's not about me feeling. It's not about me sort of having a God experience. It starts with, it's right to honor and worship the God of heaven. 
We're here whether we feel something or not. Praise the you will praise the name of Jesus. That's why some of the, the old hymns were really great because they got your eyes off yourself and they put them on, on to the Lord. And sometimes they go to churches and it starts all feely with mood and, you know, it's got to be better than this. Well, if you start with got to be better than this, uh, and, and I like that song, by the way. <laughs> but there's a time to sing stuff in the right place. I don't think you start with it's a bad morning, Lord. You start with a positive proclamation, Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, he's the maker of heaven and earth. And therefore, church is that place where we all come in, and we come in with our different things and all the challenges I mentioned, but when we raise our hands and the first chord goes, I want the glory to go to God, and we declare that actually he is the creator of all things. Everything holds together. In Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is Lord. That little sentence, Jesus is Lord, got the early Christians into a lot of trouble because it was their perspective on life. They could be persecuted, put down. They could find themselves, you know, in, in places of violence and persecution. But when they made that proclamation, that was what they stood on. Jesus Christ is Lord. So it's a gateway to heaven. It's the place where God is honored and his name is praised. Thirdly, it is a place where the highest levels of relationship become possible. The highest levels of relationship become possible. Now, I know that fundamentally our relationship, our first relationship is with Jesus Christ. I do passionately believe that, that marriage is so vitally important. I am on a, on a daily basis thankful that I got the right lady when we were sat on that uh, giraffe. I'm thankful to God because I have friends that say, you know, I just make the right choices. And I just thank God for that. And I'm sympathetic with stuff relationally where people are struggling and so on. But I do believe that beyond those natural things uh, and uh, that, that when we come to church, some of the most wonderful relationships become possible. We actually become brothers and sisters in Christ. And... The amazing thing is, I don't know any institution, any group of people that can have the camaraderie and the friendship, and we used to call it fellowship, and, and just the joy of being together. And I've found that wherever you are on planet Earth, if you're moving with a group of Christians, you're, you're home. Relationships, because we're in Christ. And the beauty is that can cross culture. Uh, and you can go into a place, you can't even speak the language possibly, but you know that we're brothers and sisters. Relationships become very important. And folks, when you're facing challenges like I shared last night, solid relationships are so very important. We don't live our lives in a bubble of independence, but we open ourselves up for help. You don't bleed in public with everybody, but with close friends, people to lift your hands. Moses needed a, an Ur and an Aaron to lift up his hands. All of us need that. We need people that are behind us, protecting our backs. We need to know we're in fellowship and we're in friendship. And you know, traveling a bit, you find the wonder of this. Some time ago, I was invited to speak. It was on the back of some of the Toronto meetings, and God started to move powerfully in Japan. And in Japan, there were, 
lots of small churches, but it was pretty hard work. And then the refreshing of the Holy Spirit began to touch one or two churches. And I was invited, would I go and contribute in ministry in a place called Osaka in, in Japan? And I went for a week of um, sort of revival renewal meetings. Now, before I go to a place, I try to research it, and I do a lot of imagining of what it will be like. So I'm thinking Japan, right, and I started to think, and I thought, right, when I get there, there'll be a little pastor who will pick me up in a Nissan car, and we'll <laughs> pop along to his house, and I had a little picture of what the house was like, and, and I'd imagined, I'd read a few things about culture, you know, take your shoes off, put them on the stand, I'd got all that in my mind, and then I arrive, uh, I arrive in Osaka, and I am met, not by a, a Nissan car, uh, pastor, but, uh, but by a uh, New Zealand missionary who says to me, um, I'm going to take you to your, where you're staying and introduce you to the pastor, but we're going by public transport. So I didn't get the Nissan car, but then an, I saw a thing that um, I've seen a number of times on the telly, you know, where they push you into the underground, the subway, and it's just, you, you're like this with faces up against you, and just crowds and crowds of people. And I'm thinking, this is fantastic. Anyway, we're on the, um, this train, and uh, this missionary says to me, uh, have you ever been to Japan before? I said, no, this is my first time. It's really exciting. He said, have you ever met any um, Japanese pastors? And I said, it's really interesting you should say that because two young Japanese pastors came to our church a number of years ago and they filled in our little welcome book. And I was fascinated because he signed it as Pastor Wakio. And I thought, what a great name. You know, if you're getting up and introduce, Pastor Wakio will now bring the word of the Lord. So I'd always remembered the word Pastor Wakio. So I, uh, I said to him, well, I met two, and I could name one of them, Pastor Wakio. And he kind of just smiled, and we went on the remainder of the journey. We get off this train, and we walk to this little house. I'd got that right. It was a nice little house. Opened the door, got the rack for the shoes. That was in my mind. Took my shoes off. Walked through the door into this room. And as I walked through the door, this missionary, a big beam on his face. And he says, have a look at the wall here. And on the wall was a, a picture of Lincoln Cathedral. And I said, wow, what's that? And then who should come from the kitchen? <laughs> Pastor Wakio comes through the door and says... Welcome to Japan. Do you know the God who puts people on giraffes is the God... Don't you think this is fantastic? I've got loads of stories like this. God in his wonder puts stuff together. But I'll tell you what, when I met Pastor Wakio, it's like he was a brother. In, in the kingdom of God, relationships are just fantastic. Sometimes you bump into people and like you become brothers overnight. Our closest friends, perhaps, are two pastors uh, in, uh, in Pennsylvania. The first time we met, I found out that he actually didn't want me to preach. Somebody had arranged it and he'd wanted, in those days, a cassette of my teaching and the person wouldn't give it because they said, you should trust me. And because of this, 
To cut a long story short, Jack, feeling a little stubborn over this, said, I'm not sure I want this English preacher, but it got put in the diary. So when I turn up his, at his church, he didn't really want me there. I never knew this. He was polite and so on. But after I preached, he kind of liked what I said. And so why don't, he said to me, why don't you come round for some, some coffee? And so over the table, uh, he, within seconds, he said... Um, can I show you something I've never shown anyone ever before? I'm thinking, I'm really intrigued by this. I've never met the guy. And he said, I want to share this with you because you're from England and this is about revival. And when I use the word revival in America, they think I'm talking about 6.30 every Sunday. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about historic revivals. And he said, can I sh share something with you? And so I said, yes. He went upstairs and he brought this big scroll thing, a big map of the east coast of America. And on the map were five circles, red circles. And they were really different places. One was a little place called Newton in New Jersey. Somewhere else was in Albany. They were spread out. And Jack said, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but for a number of years I've been going to these five places and I've pray, been praying that revival would touch these five places. I don't know why I'm telling you this. As he's sharing this story, the hair on the back of my head starts to stand. And I said, Jack, we've never met before, but these are the five places I've just preached in. And now I've arrived here. And you know, you know when you get a, a sudden silence like, whoa. That silence descended, we became brothers. We've kind of, as families, had holidays together for 30 years. It's like this wonder of relationships. Please, ladies and gentlemen, if you've been hurt by relationships, um, uh, get up and start again. Yeah. You know, if you've been put down, get up and believe that somebody's going to be secure in your relationships. Let's, let's let that maturity happen. I meet people who've, who've things against people. They've even forgot what the issue was. And they've not spoken for years. And I just think that this thing called the church is just very wonderful. It's the place where you, it's the place really where the highest levels of relationship become possible, where people can help you on your journey. Just a few very simple things here. The importance of relationship. I'm just going to go through these very quickly. Strong, authentic relationships bring kingdom progress. The strength of our real relationships help us to prosper and people that are for us. Servanthood and humility create an environment where authentic relationships can blossom. If we humble ourselves and if we're genuine people, we can find that these relationships become solid and strong. Another little thing, accountability when operating well creates understanding and safe boundaries where we're accountable to people. We're not lone rangers, but there are people that are with us and for us. You know, most people, and I talk with leaders a lot on this, most, most leaders will say they're accountable. But the problem is you never know whether anyone's accountable unless you hold them to, to account. It's when you say no that you, you actually find out whether the relationship is strong enough. All of us need to be accountable, accountable to friends, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, clear focus and vision keep us from personal and independent ambition. Having a clear focus in church life, vision that we're passionate about, uh, passionate about corporately, 
keeps us from just doing our own thing, from our own personal, independent ambitions. And church history is littered by people that just wouldn't fit in. And God wants us to be fitted in. He wants us to assemble when we gather together. Focus is not what we constantly stare at. It's getting rid of distractions so that we can see clearly. Just very quickly as I bring this to a conclusion, the fourth thing that makes church so very special, it is a place that offers care and comfort. It's a place that offers care and comfort. You know, when you read the scriptures, you find you weep with those who weep and you rejoice with those who rejoice. And sometimes it's side by side. You know, there are people, tomorrow I'll be back in our local church and when I go in, there'll be people rejoicing because they've got a breakthrough. There'll be people that are so happy because their prayers were answered. But sat next door could be someone who is desperately sad. And as a church, as a church leader, I need to be sensitive to the needs of people. And sometimes, you know, internally in your brain, you get it wrong. One of the key building blocks relationally is understanding. Knowing where a person comes from. Some years ago, I was sure there was a particular lady in our church that did not like me at all. The reason was that every time I glanced at her, she never smiled at any humor, would fold her arms looking at me as though, try that again, son. That's how I was reading it. And the problem is, you know, in church leadership, you talk, model yourself in someone Model your sermon in someone who's with you. So look for someone who smiles and, you know, it, it'll encourage you. The problem is you always look at the grumpy people, you know. <laughs> so I was looking at this person thinking, this lady really hates me. And it, it was building up in my mind. And so one Sunday I thought I would do the pastoral thing. And so I just sided up to her and I said, uh, good morning, how are you? And she said, well, actually... She said, thank you so much for asking. Took me by surprise. I said, she said, actually, I'm not well at all. So I said, would you mind if I sit down and have a little chat with you? And she said, well, I'd really appreciate that. She said, when I sit on this chair every Sunday, and I'm determined to be here, she said, I'm in real pain. I find it very difficult to concentrate. You know, and I, I find that, not only am I in pain, but I've got all sorts of things. And there was this catalogue of children problems, issues, and so on. And I suddenly realized that if I'm making assessments based on what just humanly I'm looking at, I'm not pastoring at all. And I believe that God wants us to look beyond those little signs that we read. You know, when I'm preaching, people tapping their watches and things like that. And, and look beyond that, and you see the gold in people. You see, the church really is a place, and I know there are people that will, you know, abuse some of that and want all of our time all of the time. But usually speaking, church is composed of wonderful people with a myriad of problems and issues, delights and joys, as well as sadnesses and hurts. And that's why the church is so wonderful. And it's through the church that we get through our mountain problems. We shared a little of our testimony, the hard bit with David's cancer. It's not actually David's cancer. It's, it's, it was an enemy work that we needed to fight. But I want to go on record, we would not have done that, however spiritual we could be as a couple. We would not have done that alone. 
There's just no way. And it's an amazing thing when you've got people that'll say, do you need a lift? Uh, would it help if we give you a week's worth of food? Uh, can we lift your burden in any kind of way? There was one lady would take Irene and David for radiotherapy to Nottingham every day for pretty much for 25 days running. You, you, you can't be doing this. You've got enough problems. I will do this. Thank God for Nigerian intercessors. When we were up against it the most, we had a couple, Grace and Lanry, are in our church. They are gold. They are like spiritual rock violas <laughs> that, that make you get delivered. <laughs> they are the most wonderful, fantastic thing. You know, King Cancer is coming down. They prayed with us. They, they prophesied to David loin, David's loins on one occasion, which was quite amusing. <laughs> but then he has had three children now. And we have the miracles. I'm just telling you the stories. That church is filled with, with people who pray, who love, who are patient, who sometimes are persistent, people who care, people who will turn up with food when you need it, people who will offer sympathy and help, direction. There are those that will bring proclamations of prayer over our lives, offer us lifts and go the extra mile. And this is why I believe in church. Church is the most fantastic place on planet Earth. It's filled with the most weird of people, the most diverse, you know, and we've all got our little problems. So how does God do it? I don't know how he does it. I would expect far more scraps on Sunday than we get. It's just wonderful. And so finally and fifthly, it is the hope of the world. The church is constantly attacked because if we have a full revelation of what it is, we will overcome our mountains and we will win the world. And so, as I conclude, it is with this so positive a belief that when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, this is the real McCoy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in Romsey and the region right now for his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the church. I thank you for everybody here who's given up a Saturday to do this. I pray you bless them and honor them. And I pray, Lord, we'll all walk out uh, today with just a, a sense of your divine approval on us. I pray we'll not go, down, go out with heads down, but heads up looking beyond the mountains, because our help comes from you. We praise you, Lord. Bless this church. I pray it'll be a mature church. I pray it'll become a model church, a missional church, a regional church, and that it'll have impact right across the world. For Jesus' sake, amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.